comes from the fear, fear of death. Every living thing has it. The more fear pumping through the blood, the more power. Opened a door that, once it's open, it can be hard shut. I shouldn't have kept this from you. It was a mistake. Liar. I know the truth, Mom. I did what I was taught to do. Winter eats fall. Fall eats summer. Summer eats spring. And spring eats winter. <laughs> what do you smell? I smell a man. You know why we're called hellbenders? Because we're feared. Have you been in my dreams? If you break my heart, I'll devour you. They want to believe in hell so badly. I'll give them hell. I just want us to be people. It's not a gift, Izzy. Then why was it given? I'm not afraid of you, Izzy. You will be. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, worm eaters. Uh, and I actually rank among your numbers because I'm sure I ate a worm or two when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell are you, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. I am glad to say my worm eating days are in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they they gave me new all new life. Well, now I, I, powers. Just eat, I just eat different worms now. Now it's just the ones at the bottom of the, the tequila bottle. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that yeah, is true. It's, it's still something. I guess I'm still a worm eater. Yeah, it's funny because when you first brought that up, being a worm, that's what I thought you were referring to. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, I got it now. <laughs> uh, all right. And... Also with us, uh, is it a fellow worm eater or not? Don, how are you? Uh, it's been way too long, and it's uh, an experience I'm not uh, too keen to revisit. So not exactly the uh, most pleasant of memories, but um, always great to be back. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this week we are covering a movie that is currently streaming on Shudder. It is... I believe it had a run at Fantasia last year. That's that what festival. I saw. I, I, I saw it last year at Fantasia, yeah. Ah, cool. All right. And that movie would be Hellbender, and it is currently streaming on Shudder. So it is available out there for everybody to watch. And the synopsis on IMDb. All right, it's a one-sentence short one. <laughs> a lonely teen discovers her family's ties to witchcraft. All right, yeah, short and to the point. And we will begin, as usual, with our general thoughts. So, Venom, I'll kick it to you. What did you think of Hellbender? First and foremost, the thing that I got to bring up is the visuals of this film. This film is absolutely gorgeous. There are some absolutely stunning shots in this movie, and, I, and I'm not. I, I don't think anyway, I'm over exaggerating. I mean, there's one scene in this film uh, where the mom is telling a story about her mom to her daughter. And, you know, she's got her head laying on her daughter's lap. And just the way that the shot is framed and the way that they utilize the lighting 
it's an absolutely beautiful scene and just heightens the tension of the story that the mother is telling. So, yeah, first and foremost, visually, this thing is amazing. There is some beautiful imagery in here, great cinematography, um, really great use of light and shadow. Um, and honestly, as far as the story goes, um, this is a, a pretty good story. It's kind of part coming of age, uh, you know, story, part um, mother-daughter relationships, if you will. Um, obviously all wrapped around the um, mythos of witchcraft and, you know, how it affects this family and, you know, their history with it. Uh, we get a really cool, very stark cold open that really sets the tone for this movie. You get a, a fairly brutal hanging right in the first like 30 seconds of the film. So it's it's pretty happening. It lets you know right away kind of what you're in for. Not the most visceral film. I mean, not a whole lot of on-screen death or anything, if any, now that I think about it. Um, but it's just a, such a well-put-together story. And doing some research on this, I noticed that uh, the three people involved in this movie, John Adams, Zelda Adams, and Toby Poser, actually have worked together for years. And it makes sense because uh, the mother and daughter, um, uh, the mom, uh, or right, no, the daughter's named Izzy. She's played by Zelda Adams. And the mother is played by Toby Poser. Um, and like I said, John Adams, who is the writer, producer, director um, of the film, along with Zelda and Toby, have uh, been working together for so well, long. Well, they're a family. Uh, well, exactly, yeah. But I'm talking about professionally, though, too. Um, obviously, you know, that that on-screen um, presence is there. You, you know, you can tell that these two genuinely care about each other, um, obviously because they are family in real life, but that translates on film is uh, basically my main point of this. Um, like I said, really nice story. I was uh, I was so on board for this film the entire way. Like, literally, this movie's an hour. It's a, it's a quick one, too. I mean, this movie's like an hour and 25 minutes or so, maybe even a little less. And I was on board for it for about an hour and 23 minutes of it. And then the ending came. And unfortunately, for my money, this wasn't the most satisfying, uh, the most satisfying ending. It's a, it's a little open-ended Um you know, we, we definitely do get kind of a culmination of the basic story that's being told. It's not like the movie just stops leaving us with a lot of questions. Not necessarily. Um, but it, it definitely does feel like there's more story to be told, potentially in a sequel. I know that they did multiple Hellbender shorts um, before they actually did the feature-length film. So maybe this is going to be a film series, a feature-length film series as well, just like the shorts were. So, you know, if that's the case, then cool. Maybe I'll come up on my total rating of this film, knowing that they had planned on telling more story and we will eventually get it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, you know, even if a film is a part of a series, you have to judge it on its own merits. And ultimately, this film is really, really well made. Just, you know, a great score. Um, you know, the mother and daughter, of course, have a pseudo heavy metal band named Hellbender, um, with some of the songs actually being really cool and entertaining. Unfortunately, the very first song they're playing in the movie I thought was terrible. So it kind of sets a weird tone because every time we would get a band scene where the band is actually playing, I started to cringe a little bit because that first song was just 
not very good, at least in my opinion. But every song after that just gets a little bit better, a little bit darker, a little bit gloomier and doomier. Um, so, you know, the band's music kind of as their relationship evolves, their music seems like it's evolving to, you know, slightly better musicianship and, and composership and things like that. So um, overall, I'm very high on the film, very positive on it. I had a really good time with it. I enjoyed these characters. I enjoyed their relationships. I enjoyed the journey that the director and writer took me on. I just wish the ending was a little bit more... <sighs> Hard to put because I, I don't think as many people, a lot of people are going to have as many issues with the ending as I do. I, I think this is just a personal thing where I would have liked to have seen a little bit more closure between the mother and the daughter story rather than just an open ended ending like we got. So it, it might just be a personal thing that, you know, that the ending brings it down just a hair. But, you know, I, I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. Um, I, I actually rewatched it today while I was working. And, yeah, the ending, even on second watch, the ending kind of leaves me a little flat. It's not a bad ending, mind you. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just saying it's, I, I, it, could, it could have been a little more satisfying. But overall, a really good movie that up until the ending was solidly and would have solidly been in my top 10 at the end of the year. Um, the ending, like I said, left me a little sour. Who knows? Maybe on a rewatch later in the year, I'll warm up to it, uh, depending on, you know, how the rest of the year goes with horror releases. But yeah, um, as of right now, really good film, highly recommend. Um, but the ending, you know, just prepare for what may be a less than satisfying ending, but overall really good film and worth your time. Okay, cool. Let's move on over to Don. What did you think of Hellbender? Um, so I, I don't really have uh, much um, else to add other than what he said, because I'm kind of uh, in line with him. Although I, I think I'm not as harsh on the ending um, as he is, although I can, uh, being around him for as much as I have, um, I, I can kind of see where he's coming from with some of those points. Um, you know, definitely something to, uh, you know, talk about later in depth, but, uh, you know, at the moment, not necessarily, uh, you know, worthwhile. Um, other than that, but yeah, uh, like I said, I, there's a lot to like here. Um, the family dynamic is, you know, really impressive here. The central setup is actually, uh, pretty unique. I like what they do with it. Um, you know, the isolation, you know, the mother daughter bonding, you know, fearful of, you know, what's to come and all of the, you know, secrets and, you know, mysticism that gets explored in here is, uh, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, I, I'm kind of with, uh, I, I kind of like the idea that this would probably have been better if uh, they added, like, maybe an extra couple minutes to it. Just because, you know, that, that, that final few minutes is just kind of just like a... It just, like, you know, it just leaves like such an underwhelming taste that I wouldn't... It, it feels a little rushed. And I think that's kind of one of the, the big flaws with it. But, you know, adding an extra couple of minutes probably, you know, wouldn't have hurt. Uh, this is one that I wouldn't have minded, you know, having like an, maybe hitting like an even 90 or something like that just to, you know, make it just a little bit more impactful. But other than that, I don't really have too many problems with it. Um, I'm not as, uh, you know, high on the music that they play like Venom is. They're kind of too pop rocky but um some of the more metal-y stuff that they play is uh pretty decent but 
yeah, overall, I'm kind of uh, in league with him. Um, you know, like I said, I don't have too much uh, else to add, but um, overall, really enjoyed it. Uh, probably just because of a uh, lack of uh, titles to compare it to, it's probably my film of the year. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm gonna bet that within a you know a, a, a solid dive, uh, not even you know a deep dive, but just a, a solid dive will probably knock it down. But um yeah uh highly enjoyable definitely uh worth your while probably could have used an extra couple of minutes but i don't see too many uh major issues uh presently (laughs) okay so uh i guess i'll start with the ending just because you guys you know spoke specifically about it i agree the ending is kind of abrupt i mean i think i have a beat on what it was going for but yeah it is kind of Mm -hmm. abrupt because we get somewhat of a reveal or explanation and then it's like okay over and out basically um so yeah i mean yeah i I mean i thought the shaw brothers films ended abruptly but i mean this thing takes the cake (laughs) (laughs) oh i've seen more abrupt endings definitely um hell anybody see the last episode of sopranos (laughs) but i mean for what it was the reason i wanted to kind of maybe it came off as you know maybe a little bit too spiteful or hateful i don't hate this ending i'm just because the movie to me was practically a 10 out of 10 leading up to the ending it left me a little disappointed like i was so on board with this film i was on board with the mother and daughter um i was on board with both of their motivations and everything else but then that ending was just as i already said it's not necessarily a bad ending it just i i feel like there's more story to tell and when a movie leaves me feeling like there's more story to tell i i don't end up walking away ultra satisfied so Honestly, it's a minor gripe, even though we've all kind of harped on it a little bit. Ultimately, it's a it's a minor gripe. And I am right there with Don. It is my highest rated movie of the year thus far, assuming a certain Asian movie does eventually get a U.S. release. Oh, that yeah, that's always the, uh, the, the, the looming carrot at the end of the rainbow. Exactly. So, um but yeah, uh, I, I agree with Don. It probably is my favorite movie I've I've watched so far this year that has gotten an official release. So yeah, it's, it might be a little bit of a slow year. We'll have to see. Uh, so yeah, I, I will say uh, I quite enjoyed this movie too. I was a little surprised. No, not surprised so much. Just it's kind of one of those things where you start it up and okay, you right. Right off the bat, you're like, okay, we're getting like, you know, a lower budget indie movie. But I was really sucked into the story. I I tend to like, you know, witch or occult or uh, folk horror, all that. You know, all there, there's a lot of crossover in that. But basically, you know, a, a witch movie. Uh, it's a masked with you know coming of age story. Um, I like I like the fact that like the the very first time we get the them playing with their music, it kind of comes out of nowhere. You're, you're just kind of kind of jars you like what what's this? Um, but you you start to pick up like the purpose, kind of like you know it's giving they're out isolated. It's it's kind of giving them something to do, bond, family bonding and all that kind of stuff, kind of probably to keep the daughter you know entertained or consumed with her time because what else are they going to be doing out there but playing rock music right in a two-piece band like a drum and bass basically um yeah i like how the story unfolded i you know message to indie filmmakers out there 
watch a movie like this because what they really manage to do is it's a small scale story. It doesn't feel like there's anything missing out of this movie that needed to be there, you know, other than like you guys suggested, like maybe a little, you know, a few more minutes at the end just to kind of flesh out the ending. But otherwise, you know, it, it, they did um, some like witchcraft stuff in here, but it felt like they made good use of what they could get their hands on and what was within their means. Um, and and uh, like Venom said, it's very beautifully shot. Like there, there's a lot uh, because they're out in the middle of the woods. There's lots of shots of different, you know, characters walking through just different scenery. And I mean, some of it's, beautiful there's a scene where the daughter is like walking through kind of like a semi like waterfall that's I mean, she's climbing rocks to the waterfall mm-hmm. and just that still shot of her doing that it's like it just looks great like i just wanted to, the camera to follow them in the woods because it's just a beautiful piece of land out there um um i love you know how things slowly unfold and how I, I at least what i got from it as they're crafting the story and you know things are kind of twisting and turning is you i think it, at the beginning or through the first two acts you're meant to believe that maybe there's some sinister motivations going on and then as you start to find things out you you realize no actually there was a justification why this character was doing that it was actually more justified than than not and then if you, you know at the end okay you're like yep <laughs> this is probably why and um i love that it adds you know more uh, uh folklore it kind of adds its own folklore twist on just witches in general like very specified to the story in a way um i thought everyone did pretty well it, it it makes sense that it's in like an actual family because it they were convincing as a mother and daughter for sure um and it makes sense because they actually are family um but yeah overall and it's you know it's a quick watch it's an under 90 minute movie so um i was very happy with this one it, i i, I want to say it might be my highest rated movie of the year too i'd have to go back and look over the list maybe and there is a movie coming out this week that looks like it could potentially be a lot of fun so maybe it'll unseat it within a week who knows but um yeah i was very happy with this one and i'm glad that shutter uh snatched it up because i i feel like these are the this is the type of movie that it seemed like a few years ago shutter was all over grabbing stuff from festivals before it would hit anywhere else i remember they had like you know festival second they and they might still have that on there but it seems like in recent years they've kind of not been um as good at, at grabbing them straight out of festivals but uh they snatched this one up and i know there there is another one that this family made and i haven't seen it and i don't really know what it's about but i looked it up while I was at work just to confirm i think it's called the deeper yeah, you I dig think, yeah I, it's the adder like dig two graves or something like that it, I, I i get the title confused because it's kind of generic but i i think that's the one yeah it's it's on shutter because i queued it up but i didn't want to watch it while i was working because you know first time watches i don't really like to do that for so i as long as like nothing pulls me away from it i'll probably throw that on tonight later just to see what that's all about because after watching this i'm like yeah i want to see what else these guys have done 
But, Not a whole uh, lot. Mostly, mostly shorts. I went back and looked. I mean, the, the only major feature length that they've done is something called Knuckle Knuckle Jack. Uh, most everything else on his IMDb is shorts, other than Hellbender and Knuckle Jack. So, yeah, a lot of shorts. I mean, got a lot of shorts, and like I said, multiple Hellbender shorts too. So, you know, we we, we got something to kind of go look, go back and look at. Cool, yeah, for sure. Track the track those down. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I'm good on general thoughts at least for now. Um, hmm. Yeah, like I said, I mean, some of the imagery in here, some of the sequences are absolutely frantic. And early on, a lot of them, it's kind of that situation where you get a lot of random images early on that don't really make a lot of sense. But then as you watch the film and get more explanation about what is going on with this family and their history and things like that, all of those random flashes early on in the film start to make a lot more sense. So, um, you know, I kind of like when movies... uh, you know, kind of lean on that trope a little bit just because I, you know, I I like mystery in my horror films. I don't need it necessarily, but I do like it. And I I do like how this movie kind of slowly unfolded and, you know, um, gave us information, you know, pretty much at the same time that Izzy was learning it in the film. Um, And like I said, I I, I really do like this mother-daughter relationship. And and in a lot of horror movies, when you have a situation of a mother hiding something about their family from her daughter, you know, sometimes, you know, when we finally get the reveal, you kind of scratch your head and think, well, why the hell would you hide that from your daughter? That's dumb. But this one specifically, um, I I think mom was 100% valid and not and basically not telling her about the family and about potential abilities that she has. And obviously the movie proves that mom was right. I mean, it's funny because just two days ago we reviewed thirst on, um, on the main show, no more room in hell, which I'm sure that episode will be out shortly. Um, but in that movie, you know, you kind of have a little bit of the same situation. Obviously that one deals with vampires, but you do have, uh, someone who is kind of trying to mentor a loved one with their new abilities that they just received. And that person kind of goes crazy, just like Izzy in this movie. Izzy just gets power hungry. Um, and ultimately, I didn't feel like that was stretched or forced in any way. Like, it, it feels very realistic for this girl who's never had a friend, who's lived her whole life, you know, isolated in the woods with only her mother, And then suddenly when she finds out she has these abilities, she just goes headlong into them. And, you know, to the point where, you know, uh, you might start to cross a a good and evil line. Um, I like stories like this. And, you know, my whole point of bringing this up was what is is that I do agree with mom. You know, it's a rare thing that I agree with a parent hiding information from their children in a horror film because it almost always comes back to bite them. But this one, I felt like the motivation was there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot better ways that mom could have revealed all this information rather than waiting for her teenage daughter to have a certain event occur um, at a party with her friends that then becomes the catalyst, you know, for her abilities. Um, that probably could have been handled a little bit better. But again, it's a horror film. So, you, you know, you know this shit's going to hit the, van, the, the fan eventually. So, you know, and of course it does. And, you know. Uh, there's there's one winner and one loser you know in this relationship and uh, we'll get into that in the spoiler section but yeah i just really really enjoyed this film you know i'm just i'm so disappointed in this ending um as i've already said 
eight times. I don't hate the ending. I just found it a little overwhelming. This movie deserved a better ending. That's probably the best thing I could possibly say. Now, as I already mentioned earlier, if that's not the end and we actually do get a Hellbender series, then, like I said, I might soften on my uh, rating for this one. Even though Don and I both sat here and said this is our number one of the year, it still could have been better. And that's kind of the sad part of it. Um, so, you know, uh, some people might agree with us. Some people are going to call us idiots, which is fine. I mean, you know, uh, we don't all have to agree. But, yeah, um, I, I hope there's a lot of people that like this movie. This is a movie that deserves to be enjoyed. Um, it deserves word of mouth. Hopefully the community embraces it. Um, you know, it's not a genre bending, you know, extravaganza by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just a really well-made solid film. And, you know, we need to support films like this or else we're going to keep getting Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes and sequels and requels and whatever else, because that's all people are spending money on. So movies like this need to be supported. And even though they're just on Shudder, um, you know, watch it. If you watch it within the first couple of days to a week of its release, it does a lot for the metrics of that film on Shudder. So, yeah, uh, support the community and support this film. I mean, this film's already been out since February 24th, but I think if, uh, you know, if we can get it some more support, some more watches, some more word of mouth, I, I think we can, uh, you know, as a community, I think we can get these folks to make bigger and better movies, you know. Uh, you know, get a big budget going, see what they can do with uh, a, a, um, an established screenwriter or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a higher budget, things like that. So, yeah, um, despite any negative things I say about this film, you know, already and moving forward, I, I did really enjoy this film. I liked it a lot. So. Well, if Heck there's yeah. nothing else to be said, non-spoiler, what do you say? You want to move on? Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I just want to say, I, I do know what their third film is. Uh, they're filming it um, as we speak. Um, I follow them on Instagram. So um, I, I've noticed that they've been putting up like behind the scenes shots from the, I, I think they're either pr the pre-production or like the first, first like filming dates. But um, I, I, I don't remember anything. I, I just know that they're filming. Does it still look like a genre film from the behind the scenes shots that you've seen? I believe so. I think there was one where they were mixed. Um, I, I could swear one of them was um, blood was blood mixing. Fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I I could swear one of the shots is uh, the mom sitting at the table mixing the blood potions together. Whoa. So um, I I can imagine that there would be some in, in some capacity. Um, the, regarding plot or anything else nothing mm -hmm. nothing stands out just because there's like so much going on but um i would venture to guess that it, it more than likely maybe uh genre adjacent at the very least um that's as much as i'll say uh, at least as far as uh what's jogging my memory um I, I i like i said i do know that they are preparing for something but um beyond that i i can't say anything else awesome no it's good to know good to know everybody they're still working <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this is your final spoiler warning. If you have not watched Hellbender yet, go ahead and pause the podcast. Go check it out. Come back in an hour and 25 minutes and listen to the rest of the episode. Otherwise, welcome to the spoiler section. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know that this movie really needs a walkthrough. I mean, we, we, we get a cold open. 
um, that shows us the past, obviously, like, you know, 100 or so years in the past, maybe more. Uh, obviously, later in the film, we find out how old mom actually is. So potentially it could be even more than 100 years ago. But uh, basically, as I mentioned uh, during the spoiler free section, there is a cold open with a hanging um, obviously, there's a woman being accused of witchcraft, and she is being hung. And and like I said, it's it's a very brutal scene, you know, even though it's not like visceral or anything like that. It's it just the way that they just nonchalantly just hang this woman, and not by dropping her, but by actually pulling her up on the rope, on the uh, the gallows, if you will, which, of course, doesn't break the victim's neck. It Basically, they have to suffocate to death, which is an incredibly cruel way to kill anyone, but... It is a witch, and it actually turns out to be a real witch, because as she is dying, uh, we basically see her get pulled up into the sky while she's on fire. Somehow she's engulfed in flames, and it's almost like something above them is pulling her up. She's screaming into the camera, and then we get our title card of Hellbender. Um and then this is when we hear the mother and daughter, uh, Izzy and mother. Mother doesn't actually get named in this, so we're just going to call her mom the rest of the episode. But Izzy and mom, uh, we basically get the first shot of them playing music together. And like I said earlier, the first song that they're playing, to me, is just awful. I, I really, really didn't like it, and it kind of set me up for not it thinking that I wasn't going to enjoy the movie, obviously. Um, as I mentioned earlier, as the movie goes along, the songs even get a little bit better. I'm not sure how much time has gone by in this movie because they, obviously they don't tell us, you know, there's no um, progression of time necessarily that's displayed on screen. But it's like something will happen between Izzy and one of her little friends. And then in the very next scene, mom will say something like, do you remember what happened last summer with that girl? And it's like, last summer? How fucking much time has gone by so there's definitely a progression of time in this movie but they don't really point it out specifically so it's up to the viewer's interpretation but basically we meet izzy um izzy is you know a kind of teenage teenage girl older teenage maybe 17 18 19 years old somewhere in that range uh potentially older once we find out what's going on later on but i'll hold on to that for now and um as I mentioned earlier as well, you know, Izzy is isolated. She's, um, we, we get a scene early on where mom asks Izzy, uh, or she tells Izzy that she's going into town to pick up some supplies and if she would want anything. And Izzy basically just says, can I go with you? Mom doesn't verbally reply. She just gives Izzy this really dirty look and Izzy just kind of relents and says, um, I, I could use some drumsticks and some charcoal pencils, you know, but, you know, nothing major. Um, but obviously already we're setting up the mystery of, you know, why is this girl not allowed to leave her house, you know, or, or go to go into town at least, you know, she looks like she's old enough to take care of herself, you know, maybe a little fragile, but that could just be because of mom's kind of, you know, helicopter parenting, if you will. Uh, and then she ends up meeting a girl named Amber um, in the neighborhood. I say neighborhood. It's not really a neighborhood. They live on a mountain uh, with the houses very separate from each other. Um, they have no real neighbors. Uh, basically, they'll, they'll say, oh, you know, I live next to you across the mountain or something like that. And that, that's supposed to imply that they're neighbors. But, you know, uh, I guess that's a regional thing. Not sure. She meets this friend, Amber. They kind of hit it off right away. Amber later invites her to come back the next day because she's going to have some friends over at the house. 
Um, at at that gathering with her friends, that's when Izzy finds out that Amber does not actually live at this house, that she's just kind of borrowing the pool uh, because these people, um, you know, only use the house as a summer home or whatever. So, uh, so for, you know, an entire season, it's basically unattended. So, yeah, this girl, Amber, you know, a teenage girl about the same age as Izzy, um, basically just hangs out, uses the pool, invites her friends over, blah, blah, blah. They even use this guy's drum set, which kind of proves that these kids uh, know nothing about drums because any drummer worth his salt will know someone's been playing his drums. And I know this from experience. So, yeah, never fuck with a drummer's drum set. It's just not worth it. Anyway, um, during the party, these kids end up drinking. They end up uh, playing a little weird drinking game that is basically... Um, one of the kids pours out four shots of tequila, and in one of the shots of tequila, he actually puts in a live earthworm. Not one of the worms that's at the bottom of a tequila bottle, mind you, an actual live earthworm. Um, he puts the puts the worm in one of the cups and basically just says, okay, it's going to be a random draw. Whoever gets the worm has to eat it with their shot. Of course, he ends up handing the cup with the worm right to Izzy right away. Izzy obviously looks down, at, sees the worm in there, and announces that she's a vegetarian and that, you know, she can't do this. Um, Amber, of course, kind of gives her a little bit of playful ribbing, and eventually she relents, and Izzy goes ahead and takes the shot with the worm in it. She has a moment of silence right away, like kind of just trying to f figure out if she's going to throw up or if this thing's going to stay down. And instead of <laughs> instead of uh, acting like sick from eating this worm, she ends up yelling one of the most primal yells I've ever heard a teenage girl make. I mean, this thing echoed through the forest, just a guttural screech of a of a scream that, you know, if yeah, you were anywhere in this town, you're going to hear it. <laughs> she looks like she's pretty stoned, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she looked like that throughout the whole movie. Like, her eyes were mm -hmm. kind of red, like she was um maybe didn't have enough vitamin D or something. And obviously, if she doesn't leave the house that often, she ain't getting much sunlight. So, yeah, I mean, she looked, you know, borderline jaundice at times, you know, really pale skin. Um, yeah, red, yellow-ish eyes, you know, her skin isn't gray. Obviously, she doesn't wear makeup. That's not something that mom's going to allow, but still. So after this um, kind of violent <laughs> scream, um, literally just as she finishes screaming, uh, the owner of the house shows up. Uh, you, you hear a car pull up to the driveway, and all the kids just scatter. They all just get the hell out of there. Izzy ends up, because um, this was a pool party, and Izzy doesn't actually own a bikini, so she had to borrow one from Amber. So she ends up running away from the house, still in her bikini, and leaving all her personal items at this guy's house. Um, she ends up having an altercation with Amber in the woods, where she, uh, you know, you can tell that she's not all there, almost like something's kind of possessing her to kind of do these acts, but basically she gets into an altercation with Amber. She ends up grabbing Amber by the throat with one of her hands. Amber is able to get out of the hold and basically just says, you know, you know, fuck you, you crazy psycho. I never want to see you again. And uh, we don't see Amber again for a little bit, but she will be back. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. After all of this, um, Amber, or excuse me, Izzy does end up going back to the house. Uh, to pick up her clothes, but on the way, uh, 
on the way to leaving the house a second time with all of her possessions, uh, the owner corners her in the woods, the owner of the house. He ends up saying, you know, what the hell are you doing? I know what you were doing at my house. I know you kids, you know, fuck up my pool, fuck up my drum set every time, you know, I'm not in town, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to call the cops. And then we see Izzy kind of make, you know, almost like a weird evil type look towards the gentleman, towards the owner of the house. And then the scene just cuts to black. Like we, we don't see exactly how that scene ends, at least right now. So remember that. Um, Izzy ends up going home and, and to her defense, she ends up being 100 percent honest with her mother, uh, tells her mother that she ate a worm. The very first question that the mom asks is, are your friends okay? And um, and Izzy looks at her mom and gives like a sly smile and says, yeah, my friends are fine. Doesn't say anything about the guy that she ran into in the woods. Just says, yeah, my friends are fine. They're, they're all fine. Um, and this is where mom starts to open up and starts to talk a little bit about the family history. The fact that they do have witchcraft in the family. And the fact that the name of their band, which is Hellbender, is actually a reference to what they are. They are Hellbenders. Um, I forget the exact reasoning behind that name. It's something about the fact that you bend your back towards hell, um, as in you are bowing to evil type thing. So you are a Hellbender. So, yeah, eh, I don't know. Not the most clever thing I've ever heard, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Oh, and for those who actually care... Um, there actually are hellbenders in real life, but they're not what you think. <laughs> they are not witches. Uh, hellbenders in real life are aquatic salamanders found on the east coast of the U.S., uh, generally from southern New York to northern Alabama. They are considered the largest salamander in North America. They're actually really cool looking if you want to look them up. Um, they almost look like little Gila monsters or Gila monsters, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Um but obviously without the sharp claws and the sharp teeth, since they are salamanders, not actual lizards or, or dragons or anything. So um, interesting little fact there. What the connection is to this film, I have no idea. It probably there is none. It's probably just that Hellbender sounds really cool. So let's go ahead and use it. And if that's the case, hey, I'm OK with that. So. Um, and then, like I said, I'm not going to go over every single little scene, but, you know, for the next like half hour to 45 minutes of the film, we see mom, you know, kind of explaining things to her daughter about the fact that they are hellbenders, that it runs in the family. Um, um, what else? Uh, you know, we get mom kind of doing a ritual. Um, mom also explains to her daughter why it is that the worm that she ate made her feel that way. It's not necessarily the blood, which is what I thought. I thought, you know, if she eats blood or ingests blood, that it kind of makes her powers come out. It's not necessarily the blood. It's the life force in the creature. So, you know, we're dealing with another life force situation here. So basically, as they eat living things, they absorb their life force, which then gives them powers to be able to, you know, perform rituals. Um, you know, do incredible feats of strength, um, even kind of at one point, they even imply that they could fly, even though I don't think we actually see it in the movie, other than the opening witch at the beginning who flew straight into the air while being burned alive. Yeah, um, because it's it's suggested mm -hmm. that like the the bigger the life force, I guess, the more powers you get from it. Exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, because that was just a worm she could 
consumed initially and it already kind of like jarred some powers loose in her exactly exactly yeah so and then like i said mom just opens up more and more about what she does she ends up showing um her daughter a secret stash that she has of maggots live maggots um the daughter isn't impressed with maggots because she's already eaten worms at this point and lord knows what else but um the mom kind of explains to her that maggots are some of the perfect food for us because maggots are around death their entire life cycle think about it flies lay their eggs in dead flesh the eggs are then born or they hatch uh the maggots which are of course baby flies um eat the dead flesh then they uh, basically go through a, a transformation. They become flies, and then the cycle starts all over again. So literally, they're around death their entire life cycle. So she's talking about how maggots kind of give hellbenders a, a special power, even though they're small. She does have like a whole big little, like like a bowl, like a big bowl of them in, in a secret stash that she has. Yeah, I, I like how in this movie. I, I guess this version of witches felt very close to like pagans, like paganism, because it's very one with like mm-hmm. the earth and knowing because j- like the way they're kind of or you know, when she's explaining different aspects of nature and uh, stuff to the daughter and they're just both kind of like mm-hmm. very en- enthusiastic about how just kind of like the cycle of life works and how they draw powers from mm-hmm. it and the fascination and all that. I, I thought that was a nice touch. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, and the crown. I totally forgot to mention the crown that mom picks up early in the film. Did anybody notice what that crown looks like? I, w- I would have. Paimon's crown. Thank you. Fucking, it looks exactly like the crown that they put on Alex's head at the end of Hereditary, the Paimon crown. <laughs> And when and, and we see that crown very early in the movie. Mom actually buys it during that um, early trip into town to buy supplies. She sees it at like a yard sale or whatever, ends up picking it up. And I mean, the thing looks evil as shit, but of course, you know, it makes sense. Mom's a witch and she ends up buying it for her daughter. She actually buys it for her in the context of using it on stage, like for the band. Uh-huh. And then we see later on in band scenes, you know, where we see uh, we see the drummer actually wearing it. She's got different makeup on. The makeup seems a little bit darker than what she wore earlier in the film, which was just like a star, almost like a Paul Stanley star over one of her eyes. But now a- after she gets the crown, you see the makeup become more involved, darker, you know, you know, more evil looking, if you will. Um, and I say, yeah, corp- <laughs> my corpse paintish, yeah, yeah, exactly. Corpse paint. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I say band, but ultimately it's just mom and daughter. Mom is a bass player and singer. The daughter is a drummer and singer. So obviously, you know, the songs maybe sound a little incomplete. Some of the songs sound really cool, actually. The, the ones that sound a lot cooler are the ones that have keyboards in the background. And of course I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the film, who the fuck's playing the keyboards. But again, suspension of disbelief. I can't ask questions like that, but yeah. Either, those, either that or like, it's like the mom recorded the keyboard track and yeah, like playing it as a vacuum thing or something. If it was a sequenced uh, line, um, you know, keyboard line, then show us a keyboard. Literally just have one shot that just brushes by a sequencer. And then I'm happy, but I mean it's a minor gripe. I'm not I'm not legitimately bitching about that. It's just one of those funny things that you know when we have a band scene and you hear a musician that's not actually on screen, you tend to question where the fuck it's coming from. But you know that's just me. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> so, you could say the, I mean, you could say the same thing about Power Wolf, but uh, not exactly a very true, actually. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, eventually, as we kind of get into the third act of the film, we start to realize that daughter uh, Izzy has maybe partaken in a little bit more than she's letting mom know. Um, she ends up admitting to her mother that uh, she did kill that neighbor. And we, we get to see, we don't get to see her actually eating the neighbor so much as we see an after effect, the uh, aftermath shot of the neighbor and his, like his front, his torso is basically ripped open it looks like a bunch of the flesh has been ripped out um uh we get this reveal in a scene where mom finds a secret passage in her own house that she didn't know about uh basically a a, a passage that izzy herself has dug through that leads into a, a kind of a subterranean area under the house mom like i said finds that entrance there's barely enough room for a human being to kind of crawl through. It's like a little tunnel. Uh, but mom is able to make it through. And when she gets down there, that's when she starts hearing the voices. And the voices, of course, are um, Amber, uh, you know, uh, Izzy's friend, who is now trapped in this area. She's covered in blood. So it obviously looks like she's already either been attacked by Izzy or potentially has already had part of her eaten. Not sure. Uh, we do get a little bit, um, one of the really cool, like, you know, visuals, like hallucination, dream sequences, whatever you want to go with, actually shows Izzy sitting at a dinner table with a, with a amber cut in half. So basically it's just her top half mm -hmm. and Izzy is just sitting there eating bits of her flesh, you know, from her waist area, from her torso. Um, yeah, I thought that might have been one of the coolest vision or uh, uh, visions in the movie. Yeah. It really was. Um, like I said, I mentioned that scene earlier where mom tells the story of her mom, of grandma, and just the way that that scene is shot. It fucking looks like the Bohemian Rhapsody video. Literally, <laughs> the way that they use light and shadow, the way that their heads are stacked on top of each other, because mom has her head on her daughter's lap, but daughter is definitely the center of the shot. It's the center of uh, the focus on that particular shot. I, I That scene was just, that shot in particular was just very striking to me. And the fact that they were kind of talking, what they were talking about too, you know, the, the, the history of witchcraft in their family just really, really worked for me. Um, but yeah, that shot of Izzy eating a torn in half Amber, while Amber is still alive and crying on the table. So, you know, it's a dream sequence. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool, that was the coolest aspect that she was like alive and like, talking as yeah. like everything from waist down is just gone exactly no it's very striking it's a very striking image um in a movie full of striking images so yeah very cool and then uh then we get our final confrontation where you know mom now because of all this stuff that she's found now realizes that izzy has jumped headlong into witchcraft. She's not being careful. She's not heeding kind of the warnings that mom has been giving her. Because throughout the movie, you know, once Izzy found out that she is a witch, um, mom basically tried to explain to her why I kept it from you, what could potentially happen if the outside world finds out what, you know, happens, you know, what we can do, blah, blah, blah. That's always the biggest fear. You know, some government agency finds out that you have powers and suddenly you disappear. So, um, but obviously Izzy did not heed those warnings and just jumped headlong into eating people almost 
within the half hour of, of eating that very first worm um, is when she took out that homeowner. And then, of course, here she's got Izzy trapped down here in her little feeding area, if you will. Ma, uh, her and mom have it's not really much of a physical confrontation. It's it, it's almost a it's almost a metaphysical confrontation because it's in the dark and mom just has a small uh, lantern to light her way. So only you can only see her face. And then when the shot goes to Izzy, you can only see Izzy's face. It almost looks like they're not in the same realm. It's, it's just really well shot. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, basically um, towards the end of the film, mom starts to realize that Izzy has gone full blown crazy witch and she starts to fear for her own safety um, because throughout this film, there is a book. I forgot to mention the book. There is a book that both mom and Izzy use to kind of see images of the past, images of the future. They never really explain what the book is or, or why it's giving them visions. It's just, you know, we have to accept it as the viewer that this book somehow is giving these witches, um, you know, sight beyond sight, to quote the Thundercats. <laughs> huh. um, so, <laughs> so um yeah, basically, this is how mom finds out that Izzy is kind of lying to her about, you know, what she's actually tried thus far with her powers, what she's eaten specifically, things like that. So, uh, like I said, we, we get to our confrontation in the basement. Um, Izzy admits to her mother that she knows what really happened to her grandmother. And if um, I didn't actually explain this about the cold open on purpose because I wanted it to be a little bit of a reveal here for any of you that are still with us that haven't actually seen the movie during that cold open what we see is mom yes mom this mom um, pretty much looking the exact same age and when they first hang the witch she doesn't die she actually like struggles we see mom pull out a six shooter and empty all six barrels into the witch's head. And, but that, but the witch still doesn't die. Like, you know, she's still writhing. She's still moving. And then that's when we get that weird thing where, you know, she kind of shoots straight up in the air while completely on fire, um, you know, flying right into the camera, which then becomes the title card. So, uh, Izzy basically makes the reveal that she knows her mother killed her grandmother. And obviously, you know, from watching the film and watching the way that mom handles herself and her daughter's burgeoning interest in witchcraft, um, you know, you can tell that she stopped her mom because of what was eventually going to happen. Eventually, people were going to, you know, find her guilty by association. That's how it is, you know, kind of back then in the 17 or 1800s, whenever this actually occurred. So mom steps up and actually takes out her own mother. We we then find out, I'm not sure if it's explicitly expressed or if this is just something that I got from Izzy's dialogue, but Izzy then makes the realization that, a hellbender can only die at the hands of another hellbender. Um, mm -hmm. a, a person can't kill a hellbender. So that's basically the big reveal that Izzy finds out, yes, you killed grandma because she was enjoying her abilities. So, of course, mom is now fearful that Izzy is going to take her out because of her, you know, um, 
concerns of Izzy, you know, going full blown crazy witch, you know, in a public setting, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it was now keep in mind, I only saw one. I was I was planning to watch it a second time, but I just Mm -hmm. ran out of time. Um, So the dialogue in that scene, it it almost kind of seemed like there is some type of ritualistic nature to like you devour like the old generation of a hellbender and then the cycle of life creates a new one because she says something about like oh are you ready for a little hellbender almost like you devour me you consume me and then you end up having like a child hellbender or something like that it wasn't like a hundred percent spelled out but that's like the idea i got from it so it's almost yeah it, it, it almost kind of felt like a a play on like the the mm-hmm. rule of two with Sith <laughs> from Star sure, Wars, sure. how there can only be two, a master and a <laughs> and student, an and then yeah. the student eventually strikes down the master and then takes on their own student eventually, you know, or apprentice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they kind of made that obvious in here with the poem that they kept repeating throughout the movie. Spring eats winter, winter eats fall, fall eats summer, and summer eats spring. Um, basically implying that one generation kills the next. Uh, to create the next generation, just like Mike said. So, I mean, right. yeah, I think I think you you kind of nailed it. Um, there's also a scene in the movie where Izzy kind of spouts off a a poem. I'm trying to find my notes here because I actually wrote something down about that. Um, damn it. I can't find it now. Well, basically, Izzy reads off a poem that kind of explains the same thing as the whole, you know, spring eats winter, winter eats fall um, poem where she's talking about how, um, what was it? It was something about a, a predator, not well, wanting it was like to the be wolf a predator. in sheep's clothing. Because That's it, like, the sheep and the yeah. lamb, right? The sheep, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the wolf, the and, wolf the and the lamb. Yeah. yeah, the wolf who didn't want to be a wolf wanted to be a lamb. So they lived as a lamb. But then when the wolf had a child, the wolf raised their child as a lamb and that once that lamb realized they're not a lamb, they're actually a wolf, they end up striking, you know, back at the last, the previous generation, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I didn't do it any justice. In the movie, the poem is really great and, you know, kind of tense. Like, just the way that she reads it, too. She reads it with some kind of dark glee, you know, like some kind of weird, evil happiness that she's making the realization that, oh, I'm going to have to kill my mother someday. Okay. You know, like she's almost okay with it type thing, which is why the ending does end up being as tense as it is, because obviously mom thinks that the daughter is about to kill her because of that information. But then Izzy basically relents and says, Mom, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. Um, I have no desire to kill you right now. And plus, I love you. And that's how our movie ends. Yes, unfortunately, literally, that is the last line of the film. Fade to black and closing credits. This is, like I said, I don't hate this ending. It just feels incomplete to me. Like Don was saying earlier, with this movie being such a short runtime, it doesn't it, it doesn't seem like it would have been a major effort to just add like an epitaph scene, like an extra little scene at the end that maybe kind of shows either how mother and daughter are handling their new relationship status or potentially maybe even an end to the conflict altogether. You know, one takes out the other or whatever. But no, we don't get anything like that. Our movie basically ends with Izzy saying, I'm not going to kill you, Mom. I, I I love you. I still love you. Blah, blah, blah. And then the movie ends. So, yeah, like I said, a little underwhelming. Yeah. 
for, for what was a great ride the entire way, something that I was really enjoying. I was all ready to praise it and talk about how it's my favorite movie of the year, even though it kind of is still um, after looking back at my list. But it just left me a little it, it left me wanting more. And, and I know people say that's a good thing. You know, leave them wanting more. Uh, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I, I, I want it all right away. You know, if you're going to make a movie, then give me the goddamn story. Give me the beginning, the middle and the end. It's not like you can't have a sequel and still give me a complete story that ends Izzy and mom's, you know, little conflict. Um, you could still do a sequel, you know, following, you know, whoever survives at the end of their you know little altercation or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like I said, it just felt a little too open ended for me. There's so much more story to tell because, you know, eventually Izzy is going to have to take her mother out. Well, that, that's the thing. It's yeah. it's the inevitability that it's going to happen. And I think I, I assume the ending is supposed to say, like, well, we're left with a situation where the mom hellbender is going to be living out her days whether they're few or many with the constant kind of looking over her shoulder of like when's it going to happen because the mom kind of acknowledged when she's like oh i'm not ready yet as in she knows that eventually the daughter is going to devour her but she's like no i'm not ready yet and that's when the daughter said don't worry i'm not going to do it i love you but the way it ends kind of with izzy fully embracing her which hellbend herself you're like well it's coming it's just not today yeah exactly like i said i i don't hate the ending i you know despite all the issues that i'm talking about with the ending i definitely didn't hate it it was mildly satisfying i just wish it was a little more satisfying because like i said it just felt too open-ended uh, yeah who knows if we get another one in a year or two Maybe I'll come back and change, you know, my opinion on this one. Obviously, you know, longtime listeners know that when we do a sequel, we do a little blurb on, you know, the previous entries in that franchise. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it'll happen here. I, I think another theme in this, when you're you're when you're going back through the dialogue, I think it's really about like almost kind of like the laws of nature because they they yeah. there's a there's some dialogue toward like I think in the first act where um i can't remember exactly what animal like they're walking in the woods and they have some conversation where izzy asked like the mom about like i think an attack or something and i can't remember if it's the mom or izzy who is like well in in like nature or whatever like whatever context of what she's like there's no right or wrong that's just the nature of how it is and i think oh, right by now. the end of the movie we realize like well for hellbenders like the devouring of like the previous generation it's not necessarily to them to the hellbender code or whatever it's not the right or wrong thing to do it's just the nature of how the process works and i think that's how the movie is supposed to leave us like realizing like hey izzy is just realizing her hellbender self in the way she's you know becoming a witch and i obviously you know with a teenager and the like there's always usually a lot of things in like a witch coming of age witch movies where it's like you know they hit puberty they start to become like their whatever they were intended to be and i think that's kind of where the movie leaves off where it's not a hundred percent definitive ending but it's just basically like well this is the nature of what's going to happen eventually even though it's not happening now we know that the nature of the hellbender it's not right or wrong that's just how hellbenders work 
I, you know, that's what I think they were going for with that ending. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with that, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, man, I'm not sure what else I could really add to this. I'm looking through my notes, and there's so <laughs> many notes on here about the beautiful images, the visuals, the symbolism throughout. Um, there's some great symbolism throughout this film as well. Oh, did anybody notice that Izzy is dressed like Chucky in her first ritual? <laughs> I'm not no. joking. I mean, she's literally uh-huh. dressed like Chucky. She's got the overalls and she's got the striped long sleeve shirt under it. I'm dead serious. Go back and look. She's dressed like Chucky. No, I I'll have to. I, yeah, yeah. I, I never caught that either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a quick scene because um, her her first ritual is part of a montage, so we don't actually get to see the whole thing. But during that first ritual, when she's doing the same thing that Mom was doing earlier cutting herself so that she can uh-huh. bleed on that stick figure thing that they made. Watch what she's wearing. It's fucking Chucky's outfit. Exactly. It, it doesn't say good guys on it, of course, but it's overalls with a long sleeve, bright rainbow shirt underneath. I, I just couldn't get over it. So yeah, That's hilarious. somebody on this set is a big child's play fan and kudos to you because I am too. So that's okay. Uh, but yeah. um, since we're kind of at the, like, at the end of the movie, I'll just, uh, I'll mention Lacey, uh, you know, from cut to the chase, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, skip to Lucy actually interviewed the family, uh, last year. She covered this for Fantasia and nice. cause I was, I was talking to her earlier today a little bit about it. Um, the movie and mm-hmm. she mentioned it. So I was like, I had to go through, through like the, the archives because this had to have been like i think spring late summer maybe last year sure. so if anyone's interested i mean i'm sure they've done many interviews but since we know Lacey, i'll give her a shout out for it uh just go to like the cut to the chase feed on anchor or something and scroll down and uh yeah it was it was like a quick 20 minute interview but um the mom uh i think toby Toby Poser is her yeah. name. She uh, she mentioned she's a big fan of The Witch and uh, Basket Case. I just remember her mentioning those two <laughs> movies, so I got to kick out of that. That's like two opposite ends of the the horror spectrum. I love them both for different. Yeah, movies. <laughs> I think I think it was her that said that, but um, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, oh man, it's too bad Lacey couldn't join us for this. She might have had some uh, insight that we didn't have, but yeah, scheduling. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, since we're in the business of shout outs, um, I think we all have a, a special one uh, before we go for uh, the Horror for Dummies podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, like I said, uh, just because we're in the mention of uh, shout outs, you know, uh, Tim and uh, he he goes by the nickname of Luffy. And I don't know what his act with the co-host real name is because I. I my brain is fried right now, <laughs> but um, yeah, they were um, talking positively about us on uh, their most recent episode, talking about how uh, listening to us actually changed their opinion on several episodes. So uh, you know, I I I, I know Tim. Um, he's been on uh, my show. I did a uh, podcast with him, uh, probably either the second or third episode of the year. So uh, you know, thanks you guys for everything, and uh, you know, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much, too, for pointing out the research that we do. You know, we tried. Obviously, this is a weekly show, so I don't have the time to do the research that I'd like to do that I would usually do on the main show. But 
whenever I can, I try to. And they they specifically referenced our Us episode from a couple of years ago, Jordan Peele's Us. And uh, it's funny, man, because a lot of people reference that episode. Apparently, we really kicked ass that episode. But yeah, um, I genuinely uh, appreciate the the feedback, guys. Uh, just a great shout out on your show. And hey, um, you guys seem to. And then I, I did listen to the rest of that episode, which, uh, you know, admittedly, sorry, was the first time I've listened to that podcast. And actually really cool guys on that show. So I. I'd love to see one or both of them on here someday if they're ever available. So, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what we can get done. But, yeah, again. Well, uh, timing, timing may have to work out just because uh, they're Australian. So we'll exactly. probably have to yeah. record in the morning. But Yeah, well, it's funny because I've heard the show before. But the reason this came up or when I noticed it is because they had posted their latest episode or at least the latest at the time on our group page and I, I was like, Oh, I want to listen to this specifically because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about studio 66 besides, you know, mm-hmm. me hearing yeah, your was, guys' opinions on yeah, it. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I was going to say that was uh, the episode where they shouted us out. Um, it wasn't the main film that they were covering, but they were doing like a bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing like bonus coverage on it. Cause I think they do one old movie and then they like, do like a brief rundown on a recent one for um i i think that's how the format is yeah and i i didn't even know that they were shouting shouting us out on the episode like it, it wasn't it's not a situation where like they reached out and said hey listen to this because we we said something i just was like oh i just want to hear what other people have to say about this movie since i really haven't heard it talked about anywhere and then they started like they brought it up and I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then they kept going. I was like, Oh damn. I was like, well, they, and I was like, well, they obviously have listened to like the show for a while because yeah, like Venom mentioned us is it's been a couple of years. So uh, yeah. Thanks guys for listening. I appreciate that uh, shout out. And uh, yeah, we, we could definitely get you guys on anytime. Yeah. If the scheduling is an issue, Hey, we could always do the main show. Which is what it's turning into a once a month podcast at this point because of <laughs> our scheduling issues. We are planning uh, on doing a second episode in March. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, it's like with fresh cuts. It's like even though it's weird, we don't. You would think with a weekly show, this would be the one we're missing because like it seems like it's more difficult to keep up doing something every week. But we're pretty consistent. And I think just with the main show, it's like when you're only going to be doing it every other week, it's like if you miss a scheduled date, it, it it's like first you have to assume that everyone hasn't already scheduled stuff on the other weekends that are left in the month. And if, if they have, then it's like, OK, well, how far are we pushing it back? It's just life. It's nothing other than that. But um, but yeah, uh, as far as this show goes I, I mean i guess we're wrapped up pretty much on talking about hellbender correct yeah yeah i don't think i got much left to say yeah, okay good. yeah i was just gonna say as far as fresh cuts goes next week uh or next episode i mean pretty much covering ty west x because it's in the theater and uh i'm actually pretty excited to see it yeah i mean it looked yep. Look like it has the potential to be cool. You never know until you actually see it, but it looks interesting oh. to me. <laughs> I know nothing about the movie. Uh, obviously, I don't do anything uh, before the movie is released. So, uh, but it is Ty West, and Ty West is literally one of my. Uh, he's probably 
a top 10 modern director for me. Um, he's yet to make a movie that I didn't enjoy. Um, I know a lot of people kind of are, you know, hot and cold on him. A lot of people seem to like House of the Devil, but then a lot of people don't seem to like The Sacrament, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and then The Innkeepers obviously being a very divisive movie. Um, but for I, me, I don't I, get I, it, I man. I, I really love The Innkeepers. I don't understand why so many people are lukewarm on it. It's, it's a little slow for a lot of people. I mean, those that, that first act, it's just a lot of character development, a lot of setup, you know, uh, of the hotel's history. But don't blah, you blah, think blah. House of the Devil is like slow setup, too? I mean, yeah, the devil is still built to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey. it's very artistic, and you know that that art house crowd really embraced it. I, I don't know why they didn't embrace Innkeepers because I feel like it's just as good, maybe better. But oh, you know. I, I much prefer Innkeepers to um, House of the Devil. I, I'm not high on both, but I much prefer Innkeepers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's then, like I, I haven't seen. I mean, my favorite film of his is. That, well, I mean, my favorite film of his is Cabin Fever too. So I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I don't know what that says about me, but that's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that said, uh, we got our shout outs out of the way. We already announced what we're doing next episode. So let's just go around and figure out what else we can, or people can hear from us. So Venom, what do you got? All right. Um, Again, uh, we still do have Creature Comforts episode six uh, in in the in the pipe, ready to go. I'm just putting some finishing touches on it. I'm very sorry to to anybody who's been waiting for that episode, including Don, who's here with me. Uh, I have to apologize. Uh, my wife actually had the week off from work uh, this past week, and because of our conflicting schedules, we never really get time to spend together she works nights and weekends i work weekdays and uh, during the days so you know we don't really get to share a lot of time together so yeah me and mrs venom just kind of uh enjoyed a, a lot of free time so the episode kind of got delayed it will definitely be out before the end of this week i'm hoping that it'll be out right around the same time as the main show uh, which we recorded on Sunday. Uh, once again, that is Creature Comforts episode six, where we looked at 1977's Empire of the Ants. And honestly, that's about it for me, Mike. Oh, no, wait, wait, what am I saying? Uh, the main show. Yeah, we just recorded the main show a couple of days ago. Uh, we, uh, what was it? Episode 42, I believe it was, right, Mike? Yep. Or am yep, I, yep. So episode 42, they were my picks. Uh, the episode, unfortunately, was intended to be our February episode, so I did pick a couple of um, basically, you know, lovelorn uh, vampire films. We looked at 2009's Thirst and 2015's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from Iran. Um, and we actually have a really great discussion during our kind of sort of burning questions segment. It kind of turned into a pseudo burning questions segment, but... Uh, I thought we got a lot of really cool points across there. So, yeah, once uh, Mike's done editing that one, that'll be available. And like I said, hopefully that'll be available right around the same time that Creature Comforts Episode 6 will be available. And that's it from me, Mike. All right, Don, what do you got? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I have a uh, special episode of um, Horror Countdown Out. Since this is uh, Women in Horror Month, I decided to uh, kind of stagger my releases so all of my guests are female 
co-hosts and we're all doing uh, special topics uh, for the month. So uh, this week, um, I took a look at uh, my top 10 favorite queer horror films with uh, Candy Smith from uh, The House That Screams. This is uh, the show that I'm going to be uh, joining in on, um, which I can finally provide an update for that. Um, we were supposed to have recorded that. Um, like I said, I, this was one of them that I've been mentioning for a while. Um, it got pushed back twice for delays, and um, I can finally say that it'll actually now be recorded in April. So it's going to be a while. Uh, just uh, scheduling, uh, you know, Internet issues, scheduling family issues, um, you know, way too long a story. But uh, it should have been recorded in February. That was kind of why it was uh, I announced it as such. Um, at the end of the episode, you can actually hear that we officially announced it, which was my intention. But um, we kind of. Uh, you know, lost a little bit about, you know, we lost the timing and such, but um, I will uh, join them uh, in April to look at Suspiria, which uh, is going to be a lot of fun. But um, the episode of Horror Countdown is uh, Top 10 Queer Horror. It's uh, available now um, everywhere you can find your shows. And I also have a uh, special uh, guest spot on The Horror Returns, where I did a uh, March Madness Roundtable with the guys. Um, we also had Gary and Derek on board. Um, Derek from the main show and uh, Gary from our circles. Mike's uh, burning for spring with Gary, for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other guests. Um, I heard their names, but I, I'd never... I had heard their voices, but I didn't know who they were. But uh, we all had a lot of fun. Uh, we looked at the greatest exploitation film of all time in a March Madness kind of bracket style. So, uh, you know, pitting films against each other, debating whether or not they were actually exploitation films to begin with. Um, all kinds of fun. Uh, definitely check that one out. It is available everywhere. Um, as Vanna mentioned, Creature Comforts. And I think that's about it. Cool. Um, as far as I go, yeah, it's just really the main show. And the main number 42, it actually is done and ready to get posted. So I anticipate it being like if if anyone's listening to this episode right now. Well, I would think so. Otherwise, why am I saying that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like a circular thing right there. So, hey, for everyone, I'll rephrase that for everybody listening to this. uh, It's it's either up already or should be within like a day. and I only say that because fresh cuts I usually get out like the following day that we record where no more room in hell requires a little bit more uh post production on but uh since we recorded a different day of this uh for this show I I took that opportunity to work on the main show a little bit uh sooner than I usually do so um you might get a two for one this week probably because it's only Tuesday so yeah um so look for that on Dark Discussions, and then I've also been posting YouTube versions um, of everything just for people that like to go to YouTube um, to listen to stuff. But uh, that's it for me. And Like I said already, we will be covering Ty West X next week, but I think that's all I got, guys. Yep. Yeah, same here. All right. Well, in that case, uh Let's get out of here, but let's say bye to the listeners first. Later.
Take care, folks. Hail Satan. And remember, if you break my heart, I'll devour you. Peace.